Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Comadres y Comics. This is episode 131. We are your hosts. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Hello, ladies. Welcome back. How's it going? Hello. I'm pretty good. All right, guys, you know we're in the thick of October. What is the most October y uh, thing you have done this October 2021? Ugh. I didn't do anything yet. It's, it's not too, for me, not too October y, Halloween y. I've been doing Halloween nails, uh, and I did go to Disney Oogie Boogie Bash. Ooh. But I didn't go in October. I went in September because it was cheaper then. <laughs> but it was all decked out in Halloween stuff. Yes, right? it's all decked out. <laughs> in nice, Halloween. nice, nice. I love yeah. that. What was your it favorite will. part? It was so fun. My favorite part is um, when they turn Guardians of the Galaxy ride into a after dark ride. And the drops and stuff are out of control way more than when it's during the day. And it's so much more fun. I lost my voice the next day. I screamed so much on that ride. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> what about you, Jen? Well, I have a pumpkin that needs to be carved. Actually, I have a few pumpkins that need to be carved. Um, um, I was just waiting for it to cool down so they that they don't rot up in the front porch. Um, and from I'm planning on making like pumpkin pie and Ooh. like roasting the seeds from the pumpkins as well so that I have a nice little snack uh I love too. roasted pumpkin seeds so much same I do too um and so that's about I mean besides like my wardrobe is basically geared towards Halloween uh <laughs> but every day of the year um, not about it I've been thinking about what I want my costume to be and usually like I go like a witch or like um um a vampire like it's just honestly it's just me grabbing a, like more of my outrageous clothes and throwing together an outfit and just saying guess what i'm a witch uh, <laughs> it's, but it's really just like my clothes um, um but i kind of want to go uh, a little extra this year so maybe i will be a slutty witch sluttier witch yeah, that's mm-hmm. funny. I dressed up as because um, I took my nephew to Oogie Boogie Bash and they do encourage not just children, but also adults to dress up. And I asked my nephew what he wanted to dress up as. And right. He's 10 years old. And right now he is obsessed with the military. Every single thing military related. He's obsessed. In fact, we took him to um a surplus store, an army surplus store, Ooh. a military <gasps> surplus store. And he was in free. I think he enjoyed that more than he enjoyed Disneyland. Are and you he, serious? And it was, <laughs> it was celebrating his birthday. So I let him pick out some things and he picked out like a Marine helmet. He picked out um, a military backpack. He picked out a button up camo shirt that said us Marines on it. He was in heaven. But anyway, he says he wanted to dress up as a military guy. So I was like, okay, I want to try to do something to match him. So I dressed up as Carol Danvers as an Air Force captain. So I, I, oh, nice. I had the one piece green outfit and there was a name tag that actually said C Danvers. And then I had the cap that was the shield cap that she wears in the movie. And it says C Danvers on the back. And um, I had underneath, I wore the nine inch nails t-shirt. Ooh! And <laughs> then I had a little stuffed flirkin that I carried around all night. Oh, I love <laughs> it. Oh my God. I love it. I love it. Love it. Love it. That's great. That's I love that. super cool. Um, what is the most Halloweeny thing I've done? Um, yes, I took out my Day of the Dead decoration altar box. Um, and in the box, I also put like my big ass spider and also my cobweb. So I bought this cobweb, I think in Joanne's uh, last year. And it's one of those humongous cobwebs that you put yeah. at the side of your house. And it engulfs like the whole yard, right? So um, I took it down last year and I put it in the washer. I didn't think that it would get so tangled. So the most <laughs> Halloween thing I've done 
so far is detangled my giant web. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, very I, apt though. You know, I um I have these hooks on the back of the of the door of my my bedroom, so I hooked the very tip of it to one of those uh, hooks, and then I proceeded to unravel. and And it took me like I think an hour or two just to unravel it. Wow! And after that, I just got one of those twisties, and I twisted all the sections so that they wouldn't unravel uh, again. So when we put it up, we'll be able to just just kind of umbrella it like just open it like an umbrella but um i haven't put it up yet uh, because it's 90 degrees out but as soon as it cools down i'm gonna get up there on the ladder and put that shit up and uh, put my oh no the thought (laughs) of little miss klutzy klutz getting up on a ladder really makes me (laughs) nervous (laughs) i mean i mean i might be the one holding the ladder and maybe i'll make my husband go up there but um (laughs) yeah i usually make like uh like a web uh, a web uh, rolled up corpse uh, hanging oh, from yeah, yeah, the yeah. roof and then the, the the little spiders over the corpse. So I make it out of like um, uh, like containers, like, uh, like milk containers or boxes. And that's why I roll up into this human form of oh, a, cool. yeah. So try, I try to upcycle. Uh, so yes, and I also am trying to figure out how I'm going to do seven layer, uh, seven levels of the altar this year. Uh, that's usually traditional, um, but oh man, there's just the levels are going to be just so hard. But hopefully, cross your fingers, I can do that. And that's probably going to go up next week. I I got all my pictures and I got more of the decorations for the altar, so I'm kind of excited about that. Uh, it's going to take me all day, probably. But yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> Yeah. Nice. And I got some mole in the in the freezer <gasps> so I could put it at in the ofrenda. Nice. Every year I always want to have some mole available for the dead, but I never nobody's ever making mole during that time. Mm. So I saved up some mole from the last time I had mole to just cook for them. So Oh, you know what? Ex- I haven't had mole in so long since our mole lady went on strike. I know, right? And I <laughs> uh, I mean, I've mentioned it to my dad, but he's like, "No, I don't think she's making any." So but whenever somebody makes mole, you guys are going to be the first ones I tell. Okay. All right, guys. Now it's time for Chisme de la Semana. Kristen, ¿cuál es tu chisme? Okay. So this chisme I just found out about and I had no idea. And I think this, this has been out since the beginning of last month. And it completely, I actually not, I'm lying. I did see it and I saved it, but I forgot about it. And I'm just <laughs> looking at it right now. But the chisme is that Netflix has announced a star-studded anthology series from none other than the master of the macabre, Guillermo del Toro. Ooh. And it is going to be called Cabinet of Curiosities. So um, if this project sounds vaguely familiar... Um, that's because it used to be called Guillermo del Toro presents 10 after midnight, but they changed it to cabinet of curiosities. And, um, it's actually, uh, a callback to his memoir that he published. It's actually of the same name and that dives into the deep sources of his inspiration for many of the classic um, many classic movie monsters that um, I remember when us three went to go see Shape yes. of Water and he was there and he was interviewed. He talked a lot about how the classic movie monster um, movies uh, really inspired him in many different ways. Um, and so in this case, uh, this new and improved rebranding was announced uh, in September, early September, and immediately got fans excited So the series is going to run for eight episodes and each installment will take, have a unique take on the genre from some of the most thrilling names in the business. Del Toro himself, Jennifer Kent, who um, I saw here, what has she done? I can't, I saw it here and I was like, oh, oh, Babadook. She directed the Babadook and the Nightingale. Um, Panos, Cosmatos, Aaron Stewart on Anna Lily, Amarpour, and more. So there are eight episodes that are going to be taking place. And if you go to slashfilm.com, they do a great 
uh, job of actually outlining each episode and who some of the uh, actors and also directors that are going to be involved. So if you are a Guillermo del Toro fan, and one of my biggest regrets is missing that exhibit over at... Um, oh, yes. Was it LACMA? LACMA, yes. Yeah, LACMA. Yeah, same. LA County Museum of Arts. Yes. So uh, definitely check it out. It's going to be on Netflix. And I don't know. It was just announced or re-announced September 2nd. But there is no date here. But each episode is already outlined with everybody that's going to be um, involved. So I have to think that that means that they're pretty far along with this. So keep an eye out for a date of when um, it's going to actually be released. Exciting. And just talking about uh, Guillermo del Toro's exhibition at LACMA, I believe I draw of he, uh, Nathaniel Osoyo went mm-hmm. to the exhibit and he posted some shadow people <gasps> in the exhibit that when you use your app, oh. you could see the shadow people oh, at the exhibit. Cool. And I was so sorry I didn't get to do that because that was super awesome. And you could follow him on iDraw at Instagram. That's E-Y-E-D-R-A-W. No, D-R-A-U-G-H. Yes. Thank you so much for correcting. I knew it was, <laughs> I was but yeah. Um, yeah, that was really exciting. Hopefully that it, uh, comes back sometime in the future. But next time we should not miss it. Yeah. All right, guys, it's now time for On My Radar. And today on, on, on My Radar is the home trade paperback by Julio Anta. The uh, collected edition will be released in bookstores on November 23rd. And on November 17th, it should be available at comic book shops. Uh, this will include all five issues and is now officially available for pre-order anywhere you buy books. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, etc. So um, there's that availability. So I suggest you contact your local comic book shop to see if they will be carrying the trade paperback or uh, ask them to order it for you. Um, there is also a signed about 500 book plates to release with the home trade paperback. The book plates are adhesive and meant to stick onto the inside of the front cover of the book. And those are only available through comic book stores that order 10 or more trade paperbacks. So um, because this episode will come out a little bit later than when you are able to ask your local comic book shop to see if they will be getting uh, these um, book plates. um, My suggestion is if you really want a book plate to contact your local comic book shop and see if they were one of the shops that ordered 10 or more ish uh, trade paperbacks with the comic book plate Um, and those are signed by Julio Anta and that basically is what's on my radar yeah I just wanted to remind everybody that we um, we interviewed Julio um, a while back on one of our episodes of Las Platicas and you can check it out on YouTube Um, and I believe it is uh, that was like in the beginning early 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 beginning of the year So, uh, and also just to remind you that um, Home is a story about um, Guatemalan immigrants who come over and um, a young boy gets separated from his mom uh, and that kind of like big emotional uh, event in his life kind of spurs his superhuman powers to come out. So there's a lot of things happening in this book and I just remember being so emotionally um, affected by just that first issue. So if you haven't read it, this opportunity to pick up this trade is um, great because the story is just very compelling. Uh, yes. Um, and you could see that interview with Julio Anta. It's on our YouTube channel. So all you have to do is uh, search Las Platicas Julio Anta Comadres y Comics podcast. And it would be it was about four months ago. Uh, so you'll be able to check out that interview with him. All right, guys, now it's time. What time is it, Kristen? Es la hora de la cervecita. And I'm so excited about this beer because the can just looks tasty. The name of the beer sounds tasty. 
And the name of the brand company is not tasty at all, but very intriguing. This is um, Tarantula Hill Brewing Company, and they are located in Thousand Oaks, California, which is not too far from here. Um, just over the hill, as they say. So um, I um, am looking forward to this because it is called Liquid Candy Hazy IPA. And you all know I am about the hazy IPAs. Um, and this says it's their super hopped up OG hazy single IPA. Uh, and it says that it's featuring um, Matweka hops and that it's clean, smooth, hazy with plenty of juicy citrusy zest. And it is a ABV of what does it say here? I can't, I don't see it. 7.5%. Oh, okay. I'm like, I'm sitting in the dark and I'm trying to move the, <laughs> the window <laughs> to let the light in, but I could, oh, there it is right in front of me. 7.5. Yes. And if you want to find out more about this IPA or about the Tarantula Hill Brewing Company, you can go to Tarantula Hill Brewing Company, um, brewingco.com. So that's Tarantula Hill Brewing that's awesome. Uh, I like how it, it looks like. I really like the artwork. It almost look. You guys have you guys. I mean, obviously, you guys have been to Santa Monica, where the artists that do those paintings with um, uh, aerosol paint, and then they they make it look like a constellation. Yes, on the uh, on the pier. I'm yes. sorry, on the strand where there's the artists are selling their work. That's so amazing. Yeah. So it has a little bit of a similarity to that. It has like kind of that uh like the splash of different layers of spray paint and then straight lines of how like they maybe uh kind of cut into the the uh the paint mm -hmm. it looks really awesome i really really like it so i'm gonna open it up and see what's up all right oh oh hoppy smell <laughs> <laughs> yep very hoppy smell hoppity hop hop smell at that that smell is just like I'm like Pavlov's dog. Like my my mouth <laughs> just starts watering just from smelling that. Okay, let me see. Hmm. Oh my gosh! Am I crazy or does it actually taste sweet like candy? Right, it does. <laughs> oh my god! Incredible. Is it just? like power of suggestion right now because that's what it's called or am i really tasting sweetness no i'm tasting sweetness definitely definitely wow that's really good wow like I, the aftertaste is sweetness but it's not it, like really sweet sweet it's like subtle it's, yeah wow that's no okay some of it just got to the back of my throat. 100% sweet candy taste. Yes. Wow. And I'm breathing oxygen in through my mouth over my tongue. And I, <laughs> I'm getting more complex notes of candy. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. These people are, I feel like they're messing with me psychologically right now. <laughs> I know. I know. It's totally awesome. I really, really am enjoying this. It's so good. Okay, so I need to know what the chemical makeup is of this beer and why I am tasting almost like cotton candy in my mouth. It's always cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, it's really good. Oh, my gosh. Wow. I'm very uh, impressed with it. And like I said, I really like hazy IPAs. And one of the reasons why is because they don't generally have, like I'm a, I like IPAs, but hazies generally don't have the same very strong, bitter, hoppy aftertaste as regular IPAs. Um, in fact, they get a, they get a quote unquote bad rap that, um, very sexist, misogynistic rap where uh, people say that um, 
only uh, women like hazies or that uh, hazy IPAs are a woman's beer because they're not as, and I'm like, dude, don't try to pretend that um, you're a big, strong, masculine guy because you're forcing yourself to drink shitty beer. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm really loving this. Yes, it's really good. And what are you? Oh, thinking? my God. Did you also get this from Cork and Caps? Yes, caps I did. And corks? I got to go cork. right now this very minute. In fact, I have to do six miles after we're done. I'm going to walk down there to <laughs> buy beer. Incredible. <laughs> um, yes, uh, I did. A, I don't know why I hadn't been there for a while. Maybe I just was not. I didn't have enough time between picking up work and being in Torrance that um, I ended up going one time and I got like five, five packs of beer. Mm-hmm. Which is the stuff. That uh, Jen was supposed to uh, receive. Oh, yeah. Yes. Uh, due to technical oh, yeah. difficulties. <laughs> technical difficulties. Uh, we, Jen has not received our packet. Nope. It's probably lost. No. <laughs> but um, Jen, what are you drinking? Well, I'm drinking the dude's blood orange amber beer. Their juice box series. They're Blood Orange Juice Box Series. Uh, it's an amber ale with natural flavors. And I believe we had this one before. Yeah. But I can't remember. Can't remember how it tastes like. So I'm going to be quenching my thirst with this one. <laughs> Indeed. So, um, I mean, we are very excited, uh, Kristen and I, about the little sweetness in the back of it. Oh, Jen, <laughs> you're fired. <laughs> Jen, Jen just poured it in the I don't know how that happened. And she, like the whole thing is full ahead. Yeah. <laughs> this That's time it's Ironically, it's no she has a big old head in her hand right now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, yes. All the turntables. <laughs> so... I really am enjoying this. I am going to go and try to find this again. It's really good. In fact, I'm going to um, my hometown this weekend, and I always try to take yummy beer to enjoy because whenever there's an event that I'm going to, they have uh, <laughs> they ha- their idea of a good craft beer is 805. Aww. and. And oh, I'm I so like, sad for them. I know. <laughs> I like, I almost would rather drink the Corona or the Modelo in there than that. So, um, yeah. so anyway, I like to always take my own beer and they always, they always call me out for being a beer snob. I'm like, that's fine because <laughs> I'm enjoying my yummy beer and you're drinking crap. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm okay with it. Yes. yes. Oh, I know. Sometimes, like, when I used to go to family functions, they're like, oh, Sarah, we have craft beer. I'm like, what do you have? 805. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's Got like saying it. fat tire is craft beer. <laughs> oh. But anyway, um, I'm excited about this. I'm excited you liked it. And I'm really surprised with the sweet uh notes of it, it uh, Me it's, too. it's not super sweet but it's enough to like really be surprising and kind of welcoming and pretty delicious i mean it's the same way that porters and stouts give you that flavor profile of coffee when there is not a single coffee bean or anything in there it's just the makeup of different molecules that cause your your taste buds to taste that flavor and I swear I can almost pinpoint what this sweetness is. It's just right, uh, no pun intended, right on the tip of my tongue <laughs> because it's familiar and I don't, I can't, I can't pinpoint it. Right, right. And you know what? It's, um, I hate sweets. Most of the time I hate sweets that yeah. are synthetic, that are synthetic, you know, like the stuff that they kind of force you, like sort of when you scratch a sniff, something that's supposed to be grape. And yeah. it's so synthetic. Yes, it's like, yes, yes, it's yes. familiar, but it's synthetic. This right. is sweet in a not synthetic way, but I still cannot pinpoint the sweetness. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. 
It's weird, but um, are we ready to actually rate it? Sure. So just a reminder of our rating scale for our beer review. We review on a five-point scale where one is flaccid, two is initial, three is partial, four out of five is a full, and a five out of five is a rigid. And if it's a beer that is off the charts, oh my God, we love it. That is a six out of five Super Saiyan and flames come out of our ears. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is Sarah and I'm going to do a rigid. I'm going to rigid, rigid for me. I rigid. Yes. Nice. I mean, they, they're talking about um, citrusy zest, which mm-hmm. zest generally is sour. Um, but I don't get that from this. Yeah. Like I really do. It's a subtle, soft, sweet back taste to it so like i wonder if the title if the the name of it was like i don't know liquid pizza if i'd be like oh my god i taste pizza just because i had that suggestion in my brain and that's what my mind was expecting so i don't know like i said they're playing some psychological games with me (laughs) (laughs) incredible but i I love it (laughs) okay so this is Kristen, and i am also giving it a rigid I love it. I love it. I want to drink it naked. I want to drink <laughs> it naked off of other people's bodies. I want people to drink it off my body. I love it. So. <laughs> that is a resounding endorsement. Wow. Yes, yes. I mean, I didn't expect that from you guys. All right. So, Jen, tell us, what is your review of your orange uh what is it? Orange. Blood orange. Blood orange. Dude's blood yeah. orange ale. My, juice box. My juice box series blood orange amber ale. Uh, it's good. It's not as good as whatever it is that you guys just experienced. <laughs> <laughs> but it's decent. I feel I ha- I feel like a proper adult drinking it because it looks like it looks like uh, like if I had a jug like or like one of those like tankard things and I poured this in there. I can pretend like I'm at a renaissance fair. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, I actually really like that one. I like to Thor. <laughs> the interest. Yes. To Thor. The interesting about that one is it is um, on their constant rotation, but it always has unique differences. Um, and so it's interesting every season to try it because you always mm-hmm. have the same basic flavor, but there's always like, sometimes it's more blood orangey than others. Um, and I really enjoy that one a lot. It is a little uh-huh. bit tart too. Yes. It is. It's not as tart as this one. I think, what is ale? Like, I don't think I know what ale is. It's just the way that they brew it. So it's a, it's their brewing, brewing uh, process. Yes. I actually had that one before and um, it was uh, really good for me. I really like the blood orange taste. It's a little tarty for me too. Um, but I, but I enjoy it like on a hot summer day. You know what? Yeah. Okay. That's what, uh, there's this like aftertaste that now that I'm thinking about it, is the aftertaste that I usually get when I eat a blood orange, which is one mm-hmm. that I don't really like because it's a very bitter, um, uh, like it coats the back of your throat kind of bitter. Like you just bit into the rind. Yes. Uh, that's what it reminds me of. But in this case, I don't mind it that much. Right. Uh, mostly because when I take a sip of this, whatever it is, uh, it's, it feels almost creamy without having any like milk-based products in it interesting and so it's like it's really smooth it's not super tart and sometimes i'm okay with a bitter taste and right now i'm okay with that bitter taste because it's bitter but it's not overwhelmingly bitter so i'm gonna give it actually i'm i'm kind of stuck between a partial and a full Mm. um but i think if someone kept pouring me this, I would keep drinking it. So I'm going to give it a <laughs> If it's free, I'm drinking it. Uh, but just to answer your question with more specific information, um, the difference between an ale and a lager is that an ale is top fermented at warmer temperatures. So I'm guessing like 
the fermenting process go, happens more at the top of the vat and lagers are bottom fermented at cooler temperatures. So that means okay. that ales are, tend to be more aromatic and have more, more nuanced and complex flavors um, like IPAs, triples, porters, and stouts. And lagers, on the other hand, tend to be smoother, more crisp, and more highly carbonated um, and show a little bit more subtle flavor. And of course, uh, lagers, Pilsners, American lagers, and box. Okay. Well, I like mine. It's pretty good. And I had it in the fridge, but it's not as cold as I thought I will, as I thought it should be. Mm -hmm. I think if maybe, but it's not bad, uh, the current. It's like slightly cooler than room temp, but not super cold. Yeah. All right, guys, that has been our beer review. All right, guys, now it's time for our book review. What are we reviewing today, ladies? I think today we are reviewing Russ 5377. And this is a book that came to us from Jorge Medina. Um, and let's see, I wanted to get... Uh, a little bit more information about this, but on the actual, um, on the actual, oh, it's on Webtoons. He sent it to us in our email, but there's actual, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be available on Webtoons. And Russ5377 is a story of a young boy born with amazing abilities he has no idea he possesses. Today, however, Russ has begun to recall distant memories and the doctors in the orphanage where he lives must find a way to keep them concealed before Russ figures out who he is, where he came from, and how powerful he truly is. Is. Yes, I just found that uh, <laughs> that summary just as you started reading. <laughs> when I saw that he's on Webtoon or that he's going to be on Webtoons here pretty soon. Yes, that's exactly right. I think they have. Uh, oh, no, there's a first issue. It says, here. For, yeah, first when we read. Yes. Yeah. OK, so that summary is a perfect summary for what we read. And I have to tell you, I was really pulled in and intrigued. And wanting to know what the heck is going on. Um, so, yes, the the uh, main person, what did you say his name was? Russ. Russ, yes. The Russ. It's called Russ 537. <laughs> <laughs> so the 5377 comes from the, the number, Yeah. Um, uh, I think, behind his name that's given by the orphanage. Right. The all, orphanage. Of the, all of the... Uh, Orphans. Were they all boys? I don't even yes. know. If, okay, they were, they were all boys. Okay, they um all the all the boys in the orphanage are all referred to as numbers. They don't yes. have unless uh, amongst themselves they refer to themselves with different names, but the the people in charge there um, refer to them as numbers. Yes, and this is issue one out of six issues. So this is going to be like a uh, one story. Uh, concise into one through six issues. Uh, so we we kind of in the beginning um, are opened to scenes of what Russ is actually relaying to somebody else of these memory, these nightmares that he's having. And yes. it's his memory. Well, we don't know that it's his memory, but it turns out that it's it's his memory of him having a family, him having a mother and a father. And I think even a sister. A sister. Yes. Yes. So um, and then he wakes up from these nightmares and he is in the orphanage. Now, right. maybe you guys can explain to me who is this girl that he keeps talking to? Is that his sister? Uh, no, her name is Chele or Cheye. And she's a girl that he talks to in a hologram. Right. And she is the daughter of a professional athlete. Oh, that's and, right. That's and right. If, if you notice, uh, I didn't get this until I saw her in the hologram form, but she's the one narrating the story from the beginning. She's the one asking oh. him about, about the nightmares. Oh, and she's the I one that's that. Yes. Okay. Um, I had to go back and read it, but it makes sense. It makes complete sense. And okay. So, yeah, and um, I was like, I want to know how he met her and how they right. have this, yeah. this uh, long-distance yeah. relationship. Right, and because I feel very much like 
is she just a figment of what the scientists there have created to get information out of him? Oh my God. I didn't even think about that, but you're right. Oh my God. Oh my God. You just blew my mind right now, but it could be. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. (laughs) I I don't know. I'm speechless. It's uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so Cheye is a hologram, and we don't know where he met her, but it it looks to me that they've had a relationship, like, for instance, like when you meet somebody online forever, like years and years and years back. And he definitely treats her as a confidant and tells her everything. Yeah. And yeah. because of the narration that happens throughout the first issue, you know that she ha- she's privy to a lot of the information in the backstory, right. which is like some of the labs that... Mm-hmm. you know uh some of the scanning rooms i mean a lot of that stuff so it's it's really interesting actually i i was really drawn in by this story i i didn't think i was going to honestly um okay yes so agreed a hundred percent the title the cover art and the Font that the title of the book is in completely turned me off. So I was mm. like, mm, this doesn't look like anything that I'm interested in reading. And Same. Uh, I, I don't know what it is about that font, but it looks, it's very like 1979, like like old computer style font. I don't know what, it brings up in me that's so negative, um, but it just did. And I can't explain it. And you don't get anything from that title about what it's about. You don't get anything from the pictures uh, on the cover about what it's about. Cause it's just three young men that are like running and have like these looks of determination on their face. Uh, and the title rust Five Three Seven Seven tells me nothing. Um, you get a little snippet of visions from the past, but that's it. Um, and so I, I was like, nah, all right, I guess if I have to read it, I have to read it. <laughs> <laughs> but it actually really drew me in um, from the beginning of telling this story and then him waking up in the orphanage. And I'm like, okay, oh. what's going on? And then him telling a little bit more of the story and then the, the, um, the uh, experimentation that's going on uh, and obviously boys who are disappearing in the middle of the night. Yes. And nobody knows what's going on. And Russ is putting his trust into uh, this dude, Mr. Zest. What's his name? Lemon drop or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's his name? Something to do with lemons, isn't it? Mr. Lemon. Yeah. Mr. Lemon. Um. He's like, I don't know, like the head counselor or something. And like Russ is confiding in him. But I have to believe that obviously Mr. Lemon knows what's going on. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. So um, I. Also, there was the main heavy in the background that has the Dr. Doom face. Professor Um, Morb. Yeah, (laughs) he I believe he knows that the sister exists somewhere right? because he was asking about um, survivors. And when they said there was no other survivor or there was the mom died, the dad died. And that was it. He was like, impossible. Impossible. Yes. So that was a whole nother can of worms. I was like, yes, what happened to the sister? So um, I really enjoyed the story for a lot of different reasons. And I'm sorry that I did not want to read your book to begin with Jorge, but (laughs) Your actual storytelling and the art from Big Cat Studios really pulled me in and I want to keep reading. Absolutely. I completely agree. Um, You know, it's kind of complex because, you know, they they, he's talking to the hologram girl. Um, That's what I call her, the hologram girl. (laughs) And then um, they go into get scanned into the scanning room. All the boys go into the scanning room to see if there's any changes in their brain activity. And if there is, they go in and they zap it out, like mm-hmm. they remove that memory. But also they, they're making references to a chip that is malfunctioning in the boys. Yeah. 
and they're trying to figure out how many boys are malfunctioning, which I don't know how they're doing that, but um, except for taking them in the night. Uh, like, and then they actually hire like a, not a hire, but they suit up a different kind of team to go after the boys like clandestine over like through a window and yeah. throwing like uh like darts at them that'll put them to sleep or whatever but one of the things i noticed is that when when russ was trying to save his roommate from being kidnapped that there, there was a dart that was thrown at him yep. but it didn't break the skin yep and it broke on the floor. Mm -hmm. But regardless of that, the facility itself and the people that work for the facility, they put them into solitary confinement, him and his roommate. And uh, we're, we're, we're actually stuck finding out like what's going to happen. Like his roommate is really a tech savvy guy. And so I know that that's, there's going to be a lot of that tech, tech savvy stuff happening, but yeah, mm -hmm. it's uh it's, it's uh, like I said, like you said, like I know that he gave us this like, this uh, first issue in the email, and just like Mashbone and Grifty, yeah, I was I was yeah. I was reluctant <laughs> to read it, but I was like, he took the time and effort to contact us, and you know we're we're recording remotely. It just makes sense to read it and review it. And man, did it suck me in. And and then, and then, guys, he gives us two extra pages of oh, the next yeah, issue. issue too. Yeah. Yes. So I'm just so excited to read more about this story. I really, really loved it. And I <laughs> and I thought I wasn't going to get on board with the art because, um, you know, there's some art that's easy on the eyes. But this one just went so well with the story. And I think that marriage was amazing. And the art is by Doctor Who, which totally threw me off because when i wanted to read more about doctor who it took me to doctor who <laughs> yeah. so i'm like oh my god okay the colors are done by edwin domingo and the letters and story is by medina himself so i mean i just can't wait to read more about it what about you jen what did you think well i'm glad that both of you were able to warm up to the art because <laughs> i wasn't uh, it's just not my style. It's just not stuff that, but I was really intrigued by the story itself. So I was able to ignore the art, which is something that I've done before when the story is like really good. Like the, what I can, what I can think of is um, uh, the She-Hulk series uh, that happened a couple of years ago. Not the most recent one, the one before that one that had very nice cover art by Kevin Wada, but the insides were something else <laughs> but the storyline was so good that i was like all right i'm just gonna ignore the art i'm gonna focus on the words and what's going on and i'm just going to pretend i do not see um and then they switched artists and it the art somehow got uglier uh and i <laughs> that, that almost broke me but I really, really <laughs> like the story. So I kept going. And that's kind of what I have uh, in mind. And I mean, this in the, I mean, this in the best possible way, but like, just the, like the artwork is not for me. Like, it's mm -hmm. like, it's, uh, I don't really like it. Uh, it's not my aesthetic. And I think it has, it makes use of a lot of bright neon colors that uh really mess with my eyes oh, so yeah. the color palette for me was also like not great but this is just me like being like i didn't like the art uh because the story itself was actually really great it was intriguing it was mysterious it was like full of action and it was full of like uh intrigue so good job on that like i really do i really did enjoy like once i got into the rhythm of it and of like ignoring the art uh, i was like okay like this is interesting this is this is good this is going somewhere so uh, I I did enjoy the art. Uh, the, I didn't enjoy the art. I did enjoy the story. One of the things that was a little bit distracting to me was Russ's crazy eyebrow bone. And yes. for yeah. the longest, I was like, hold on. Are we, is Russ like an alien? Alien? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but then everyone else looked normal for the most part. And so that did throw me off and I didn't like that, but I started to ignore it as I read on because I did like the story so much. Um, but yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely some artistic 
um, decisions made by the, the artists that are, yeah, are definitely um, for me anyway, as well. Uh, I just started, it, they became to, it just became something that blended into the background, even though in the beginning it was a little bit jarring. Mm-hmm. And this is not to like discredit the artists and stuff like that, because this is a style. It's yeah. a very unique yeah. style that is appealing that a lot of people do like, uh, or they, that they like, because like you said, it fits with like the storyline. It's just that I'm not used to it. Um, yeah. Because I usually tend to avoid stories like this because <laughs> I'm like, Oh, I don't like the art. I'll just read something else. But that's in a way depriving myself of something that could be interesting and intriguing and like full of adventure because this is this is what the story is. It is interesting. I do like it. But like uh like the art thing is like it's just it's just me. It's like uh like if someone is you can see that there is a style, that there is skill when uh making this because it is like I said there like there are choices made when doing the artwork that are definitely very they stand out and they're like very like in your face uh about it so it's a like it's um you'd have to look at it to see if you were uh, like like if you like it or something like that and that's just how some art is yeah i mean i know you guys are talking about uh, like uh the stuff that you weren't really happy about the art but there was a, a scene in a panel where um Professor Moore was looking like at a like a, at a iPad or whatever like uh, and then he was looking at the information from Russ five seven uh, five three seven seven, and because he has a mask that is um sort of like reflectory or like stainless steel or like really high shine metal, the image from the iPad was reflected on his mask, and I found that to be quite incredible for kind of a a kind of a scene in the comic book and that just kind of elevated my thought on the art so um even though it wasn't something that I usually like seek out seeing that particular panel was like wow you really took it somewhere else like oh yeah I'm looking at it right now yeah I'm like like wow it's not it's not like it's like messy or something like that there's skill it's very skilled there's a there's a lot of skill in this in this art uh and from the artist it's just not my preferred art style right i I will say one more thing that made me a little bit uncomfortable because it's just stuff that i notice um is that all the boys that we are privy to knowing and meeting and learning more about are, are all some shade of brown and all the scientists are white. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I didn't notice that, but did you bring that up? I totally get it. Yeah, and it made yeah, me no, uncomfortable. It. it made me uncomfortable. So yeah, very um, uh, Tuskegee Airmen. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Wow. But so it really shakes you. It gets a reaction from you, and I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> you're like no. Um, you know, there. I want to say this because uh, the writing is amazing. Uh, Hologram Girl said, and I call her that, but her name is uh, Cheye or Chele. I oh. just read it as Shell. Like somebody's name is Michelle and then you oh, just say Shell. Oh, could be Shell. You know what? I, was I don't going, know. <laughs> I was going with the more Latin. The, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I do that sometimes. But she says, I don't exaggerate. I emphasize. And I love <laughs> that. I'm going to use that in my everyday life now. I don't exaggerate. <laughs> But are we ready to rate it? Yeah. Yeah. So this is Sarah, and I'm going to give it uh, tres conchas because I really, really liked it. I I liked the way it took me out of my comfort zone and introduced me to something that I would never pick up otherwise. But it it really was great storytelling. And the art style is not something that I'm like something that I would pick up again, but just seeing that scene that the reflection uh, on the on the uh, mask from the laptop or the um, the tablet, I was just like, wow, you just took it a step that I didn't even realize. Like, I really love how artists like show me different things that you know, it's because the comic book concept is so difficult to like do something new and for them to show me something new I'm just like wow you fucking rock my world like that's why I give it tres conchas 
<laughs> okay, this is Kristen. And I'm going to give it two conchas. Uh, I really ended up being uh, drawn into the story. Um, there were still some parts about the art that were a little bit jarring, but not enough for me to not want to continue to read and to honestly not want to pick up issue two uh, and the rest going forward to see how this story plays out. There's enough um, story development and cliffhangers that um, not really cliffhangers, but like little seeds that are like, Hey, do you remember I mentioned this in the first couple of parts of the story? We're going to maybe talk about that later. Um, so that is really, to me, a sign of a really good artist. I mean, artist, um, really good writer who has um, outlined the story and knows where it's going, as opposed to some people who just kind of write and let the story take them wherever it may go. Um, but I definitely would like to keep reading and um, would definitely recommend it for people who I know are interested in this genre. So I give it two conchas. Uh, I'm going to go with Kristen and I'm going to give it two questions and I was going to give it one, but I realized that like, I'm like, I'm being a little bit too critical of the art and like, that's, that's just me, but it really does. I think it does deserve two conchas because the story is solid. The art is stylized, um, uh, just not my personal style. Um, but it's still like pretty skillful and I would like yeah if uh, I saw issue number two if we got issue number two I'd be like you know what I like yeah I do want to know where the story's going so I'm gonna give it two conchas and that has been our book review all right guys now it's time for En La Libreria Jen what do you have for us today well, today I have something truly intriguing and pretty cool, actually, for anybody who's an artist or wants to learn how to draw. It is How to Draw Black People, Volume 2, Black Ooh. Culture, Aesthetics, and Representation. Ooh. So it has a $24,000 goal, uh, and it is currently at $4,326 with 27 days to go. It just launched, and it has 49 backers. And from its... Uh, from its title page, it's really funny because it has like uh, a very popular meme of a guy like doing like you like you got to think about it pose. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so it, it is by Molly Kali Shabazz, uh, who is an independent artist and writer and has been writing and making comics for 10 years and is also on the uh, autism spectrum. They are non-binary and their pronouns are they, them, theirs. And they, this is volume two, so they obviously very successfully launched volume one um, um, for it. And so it, it, it's 264 pages of examples, tutorials, walkthroughs, anecdotes uh, from independent Black artists. So it's not just his experiences. It's like he's interviewed other people and he has put like his own stuff. And it has an appendix with more examples of lines, uh, like color mixing and like how to like draw hair and stuff like that uh a new type of layout and kind of also like stereotypes to avoid as well and the the cover per the cover page for it is just really really cool uh and so it's malakali shabazz but it also has a quite a couple of other artists nico isajar lindsey bailey uh megan king uh, for uh, some of the examples and the base pledge starts at uh, $10 which is called I love to see it and it's just you like uh, supporting the book uh, you don't get a reward it's just you saying like or I guess the reward would be like uh, like your name appears on the thank you section of the book uh, and then it goes up to $20 and you can get the digital pdf version of the volume uh, and then from there, it jumps to $40 and you get the physical copy of the book itself and that can ship to you anywhere. Uh, and actually, it's limited and it's almost sold out. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. And then from there, uh, you, the pledge goes up to $50 where you get the PDF and the dig uh, like and the physical copy of the book as well. Uh, and it keeps going up from there, but basically for 
For $40, you get the physical book. For $20, you get the PDF. And it looks like a great, great tool for people like learning to draw or wanting to draw who have ever hesitated to draw or like don't know how to draw. Uh, like, uh, like it's not just like black people it's like color mixing and it's like hair and it's oh, like nice. color theory as well it's a it looks like a great great tool you know what i gotta agree with that because um i bought some um pens some um i guess they have a brush tip yeah they have a brush tip and i bought two different ones and it, i've mostly focused on trying to draw people of color especially latinx people and i'm it's hard to get the shade I want mm -hmm. without it going too dark yeah. with the markers or too light. And especially putting uh, the, the light as a, the light on the drawing as I am recording the video, it's just so difficult. Like it's, it looks like I'm whitewashing our Latinx characters mm -hmm. and I'm so mad at that, but I can't help it because the markers that are available that I purchased and I purchased two different ones are either too light or too dark. They're really rarely where I needed them to be. Yeah. So I think this book would be welcome to the really trials and tribulations <laughs> of many of the artists that I know and right? their struggle with classic media. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I want to kind of jump into watercolor because I'll be able to control the shade. Uh -huh. But that's just so time consuming that I just haven't started. Um, but you know what? This is this is definitely a book we need to have and need to have into, especially people who want to paint people of color and want to be true to the many myriad spectrum of uh, brown hues. So thank you so much for bringing that up, Jen. Yeah, you're welcome. And it is How to Draw Black People Volume 2 on Kickstarter. All right, guys, now it's time for Juntos y Fuertes. Kristen, take it away. Okay, so I am sharing an organization today that I see all the time at big running events like the LA Marathon, and it is called Students Run LA. And it is an organization that um, serves uh, challenges underserved secondary students to experience the benefits of goal setting, character development, adult mentoring, and improve health by providing them with a truly life-changing experience training for and completing the Los Angeles marathon. That's amazing. So I am, I started. My brother actually I, did that for quite really? a couple of years. Oh, yeah. cool. Mm -hmm. My uh, first experience running a marathon, I was 30 years old and the freaking mental fortitude that I had to have to go 26 miles and not just break down on the side of the road crying was freaking out of this world and to think about junior high students doing this, <gasps> I, it just blows my mind. But when I first started training for a marathon, I had a professional coach who used to say, um, people who finish a marathon are a very small percentage of the world, uh, community, the, you know, the, you're a very small percentage of a group of people and not everybody can do it. And once you do, it affects so many different aspects of your life and not just physical health, but mental health and just confidence of, you know, that you can train and complete a marathon, then, you know, you can almost fucking do anything. And so, wow. For students that young, uh, 12, 13, 14 years old, to have that experience under their belt and to face life and to go into high school knowing that they did that is freaking amazing. And the fact that this organization serves under, underserved communities and students really makes um, me happy because... Um, one of the things that people say about running is, oh, it's, it's easy. All you got to do is strap shoes on and go. It's freaking expensive, man. My, every single shoe that, uh, pair of shoes I buy costs $160 and I have to buy a new pair of shoes almost every other month. And for 
um, a lot of sports, they're inaccessible to uh, underserved communities and marginalized groups because they just cost money that the family can't uh, support and and uh, be able to spread out to a child who's interested in uh, that sport. So I just really am uh, just thankful that an organization like this exists and uh, that knowing that running a marathon just builds such character and just such confidence and fortitude in an adult, let alone uh, a still developing uh, teenager or preteen is just amazing. And running has done so much for me. I wanted to be able to share an organization like this. And um, it is local to Los Angeles. Um, It's called Students Run LA, and you can find out more information at srla.org, srla.org, and they actually um, uh, look for people to uh, get involved in a couple of different ways. You um, You can donate money, you can do a sponsorship, and you can also volunteer um, or uh, actually um, be a mentor. So if you're interested, go to srla.org and find out more information about this awesome organization. That is super amazing. Um, I mean, you're talking about it. I'm thinking about my nephew and how it would really benefit him to try something like this, but he'd have to want to do it. In oh, order yeah. To, I mean, I mean, <laughs> I, mean I, I, I will try to plant the seeds, but, um, you know, he is an athlete. So I think it would be something he's interested in, but it's so freaking crazy. Like just you talking about it. I just, I could totally see that and how it's changed and shaped your life. Mm-hmm. I know you share a lot of your stories when you run marathons, the one in uh, New York through the boroughs. I mean, it's so exciting to hear you talking about it. Um, I also wanted to share, there's a film called Lorena light footed woman. Mm-hmm. And it is, uh, uh, a, she's from Mexico uh, from the Ramu, Raramuri community, and she straps on her sandals and does the ultra marathon yep. runner um, in those freaking waraches. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and also, yep. when I went to when I was like thirteen, I went to uh, my village in Tlatenango in Puebla, and they had a marathon, and the girl who won won barefoot in a skirt. Wow! Uh, but but, uh. You know, I'm not saying we're weaker. We just have worn shoes all our lives. I mean, my yeah. my great uncle never wore shoes. I mean, until he was very old. So all these, especially her, I mean, they actually go through most of their lives not wearing shoes. So they build a callus right, yeah. towards the elements. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's just crazy. And I feel you when you say like, you know, you have to change your running shoes like every month or every two months. Because, uh, you know, I have no art support. So, yeah, I mm-hmm. totally understand that. I mean, mm-hmm. you just got to find your balance. You got to find your way, you know. But, yeah, that's amazing. I mean, wow. I, I didn't even know this organization existed. Thank you so much for bringing that up. And I thank you for sharing that. All right, guys. It's now time for saludos. And saludos goes out today, guys, to um, it is Nostalgic comics nostalgic comics and uh it's actually nostalgic books and comics and it's at nostalgic comic shop on facebook and instagram after 10 years nostalgic is leaving the san gabriel village and as of november 1st they will be at 513 del mar san san gabriel california 91776 so it looks like they're moving to a new location as of november 1st it will be conducting business at again 513 del mar san gabriel 91776 and uh nostalgic comics also is a co co-founder of isla cape is that correct? i think he's he is the founder yeah peter malini Peter Malini is the founder mm-hmm. of East LA Cape, and he is the owner of Nostalgic Books and Comics. Uh, if you're in the San Gabriel Valley, please definitely check out their shop, especially now that they're moving to their new location. Sir Saludos goes out to them. They have been a big supporter of our podcast, and we really, really are grateful for uh, for him. 
Yes. Basically. So, saludos yes. His, his con was the very first con we ever officially attended as Comadesi uh, Comics. So, yes. we definitely have a special place in our hearts for him. Absolutely. And that was just such a fun time to have. We gave out conchas and we were the we were the bell of the ball. But, <laughs> I but, also lost my voice that uh, day after that, after talking so much to so many people that day. I, I think we all did. It was incredible. crazy. <laughs> it was such an incredible time. But thank you so much for Peter Manolini to for always being a, such a big supporter of the podcast. And saludos to Nostalgic Books and Comics that is moving to the new location as of November 1st. Thank you so much. All right, guys, that brings us to the end of this episode. Where can they find us? You can find us at www.comalesecomics.com. You can find out all of our social media platforms that we're using one that i don't think is on there yet is tiktok sarah has start us up on tiktok we are on the cutting edge of social media over here folks <laughs> so check out those videos and reach out to us at commodity comics at gmail.com if you have any questions or just want to reach out and let us know how amazing we are or if not, please do leave a really salty review because we can't wait to get something <laughs> like that. I feel that we finally made it once we get a salty review. <laughs> well, this has been the end of our episode. We have been your host. I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.